Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello. I'm John Patrick Higgins. And these are my strange stories. Why not relax, kick off your shoes, and enjoy the peculiar worlds inside my head. Inside John Patrick Higgins. Something Borrowed, Something Blue Jimmy Gemini was dying. His tongue was gummed to the roof of his mouth and his body was bathed in sweat. His polyester suit creaked at the joints and his face was a mask, his panicked eyes staring past it. His teeth, a horseshoe of dry bone, glared under the hot lights. He was dying. On his arse. The crowd was a black sea, roaring and churning beyond the footlights. The club's compare appeared at the side of the stage and looked out into the audience nervously. The heat from the arc lights was unbearable, and beads of sweat began to prick angrily at Jimmy's hairline. His knuckles whitened on the head of the mic stand, pearlescent under the glare. Something flew past his ear and there was a sound of breaking glass. He was gabbling now, racing towards the conclusion of his set. He never got there, the compere appearing at his elbow and gripping it lightly but firmly and resting the mic from his clammy hand. Jimmy Gemini, ladies and gentlemen. It's a laugh a line with Jimmy. The line to the labour exchange in this case. He shot the comic a hard, quick look, and Jimmy turned and shuffled off stage. Jimmy Gemini there, the MC continued. You were proper rotten to him, proper rotten, especially you, madam. The compare's damage limitation followed Jimmy through the club's PA system as he trudged down the shallow flight of steps to his dressing room. Dressing room. There was no toilet, no mirror, and no door. There were a lot of boxes of golden wonder crisps and a small holder containing Jimmy's street clothes. He peeled off his jacket. Both it and the shirt below were sodden. His tie was damp and discoloured at the knot. He unpopped the button at his waist and unpicked his fly buttons, but his trousers would not move down his thighs. 
He kicked off his shoes and began tugging at the trouser legs, managing to get the cloth over the hill of his knee where it stalled. What a total waste of time. What did he think he was doing? He was no comedian, he had no timing, he had no ideas and he had no jokes. To be a comedian, to stand up in front of a crowd and make them laugh, was all he'd ever wanted to do. But he couldn't. Why wasn't he funny? He kicked out at a box of crisps in his frustration, forgetting that his legs were still securely held at the shins by his trousers. The force of the kick wrenched his legs from under him and sent him staggering backwards, his arms wheeling at either side of his body until, with a resounding crash, he hit the floor and skidded backwards, splintering a small wooden door he had not previously noticed. It was the funniest thing that he had done all night, and there was nobody there to see it. Jimmy edged back along the floor on the heels of his palms, splinters of dry and dead wood clinging to his hair as he dragged himself from the ragged hole. Writing himself in his elbow, he looked past the splintered wood. He was surprised to find it contained no lagged piping or inscrutable gunmetal boxes, nothing you'd expect to find in a dingy basement cupboard. Instead, he could make out the rough-cut edges of a book's pages, dark leather hanging over the edges like lips over teeth. Jimmy was no reader, but he felt pressed to reach for the book, and he pulled it from the ruined cupboard. It weighed very little, though it was large and leather-bound, scuffed and careworn, with some of the binding torn away at the spine. It was secured by two thin leather belts of differing lengths. A whole freed length of excess leather hung from one of the belts like a long, dry tongue. There was a trace of a paper sticker on the front of the book, eroded to the glue. A tacky island on a vellum map. Jimmy shifted around, the seat of his wife fronts cold against the floor, and tried to open one of the belts. It had rusted at the buckle. He pulled at it, the metal gouging into the flesh of the leather. He pulled at the loop until his fingers whitened and burned. He tried to peel back the bottom end of the cover to see if he could make out any of the content, but the leather, though light, would not yield. The belts had buried themselves into the ruts on the edges of the book, so the leather lips curled back into a snarl at two points. Jimmy worried at the straps with his thumbs until finally one strap, then the other, slipped its niche and the book fell open in front of him. And Jimmy began to laugh. He laughed helplessly. He laughed painfully. He laughed until his breath ran short enough to burn and his eyes blotted with tears. "'What are you doing in here?' said a voice behind him. But Jimmy couldn't respond. He couldn't move. He tried to get up, but his body failed to respond. He couldn't see through the prism of tears and was only vaguely aware of something hot, quickly cooling on his thighs. He threw up a hand between himself and the smear in front of him. The voice demanded again, "'What are you doing in here?' Even in his current state, Jimmy began to appreciate the threat in the man's voice. But he couldn't stop laughing. He began to panic. He was laughing the air out of his lungs. His hands dropped to the floor, and he tried to make entreating noises to the man, great sobs and moans between the hiccuping laughter. The figure moved closer, and bending over him, snapped the book shut. At once, 
with a succession of burning, dry heaves. The laughter stopped, and gasping like a drowning man, Jimmy looked up at the saddest face he had ever seen. Misery was etched onto every line and crease in the man's face. The edges burred and furry like an old envelope, dark postmarks circling the eyes. His thin black hair was scraped down and sternly side-parted. Dandruff littered each side of the pale divide. He had a neat, penny-black moustache and the bearing of an ex-service man. His sour face cracked as he barked. I said, what are you doing in here? On the turn, gasped Jimmy, still recovering, and aware that he was now sitting in a pool of his own cold piss. This is my dressing room. The old man stared at him, his sullen mouth slack and revealing a row of niblet yellow teeth. I've told them, he said finally. I've told them they've got no business sending them in here. This is my storeroom. They've got no right. He lunged at the book, picking it up and hugging it to his chest with thin arms. You've got no business. What's mine is mine and that's mine. What is that book, said Jimmy. What just happened? I've never laughed like that before in my life and I don't even remember what I was laughing at. I'm from a book. I laughed at a book. The old man sniffed. Aye, and happen it's better you don't remember. Mind your business and get your trousers on. And you can mop up that piss and all. It's getting into the KP. A slick of urine was snaking towards assorted boxes of snacks, but Jimmy ignored it. Come on, mate, fair dues. Let's have a look at that book. I've got to know what it is. It's a junk book, is all. Pure and simple. Now mop up, shut up and get out of my storeroom. Jimmy finally pulled his trousers over his stack heels. His underpants were ruined, the damp spreading to his seat. There was no alternative. He rolled the sodden Y-front down over his thighs. The old man gulped. Do you mind? said Jimmy. The old man clearly didn't and continued to stare as Jimmy clip-clopped, bare-arsed, over to his hall-door to retrieve a pair of jeans. What are you doing with the joke book anyway? said Jimmy. Sour old fart like you. He squeezed into a pair of wranglers, dressing aggressively to the right. What are you anyway? Janitor? Potman? You ain't the owner. You a young hopeful. We gonna see you on new faces, are we? He strutted towards the old man, cocky now. He had the measure of the situation. Why would the club janitor need a joke book, he said, standing over him. It ain't mine, said the old man. I'm looking after it. Looking after it? Nicked it more like. Whose is it? One of the big boys? Mick Menon? Stevie Gass? Bob Power? It ain't mine. I'm looking after it. I'm a custodian. The last word came out deliberately and carefully as if he were expelling a physical entity from his mouth. Don't belong to no one. I'm just looking after it. Jimmy looked at him. I thought you said it was yours. This story's changing all the time. Where'd you pinch it from? The old man started to back away. I'm the rightful guardian. It doesn't belong to anyone else. Get out. All right, old man, said Jimmy. Calm down. It's just professional interest. 
I'm in the business, see? If you could see your way clear to let me have a little peek at that book, I'd make it worth your while. He pulled a crumpled pound note from his jeans pocket and held it up in front of the old man's face. The old man bolted. As he opened the door, laughter swarmed in from the PA, a metallic rattle. Two pounds, said Jimmy. The man turned and ran down the corridor. Jimmy tore after him, the sound of laughter ringing in his ears. The old man slipped with surprising fluency through the echoing innards of the club, upsetting everything in his path to halt Jimmy's pursuit. The comedian, for his part, deftly avoided the brooms, chairs and crates thrown in his pathway, and he was gaining on the old man. By the time they reached the barrel room, the janitor had nowhere left to run. He stood, cornered and panting heavily, his eyes wild, his hair dangerously askew. Jimmy stood cruciform in the doorway. There was no way out. Cornered, the old fella gave a desperate roar and, bent double, charged at Jimmy, who tried twisting out of the way. The old man connected with his hip and span off at an angle through a narrow gap in the doorway. The low angle of his head and the speed of his trajectory tripped him up and he spilled forward, head hitting the stone floor with an obscene smack. His body trembled for a second before relaxing. A shallow pool of richly coloured blood pushed out from beneath his grey cheek. Jimmy froze. Panic thoughts crowded in on him. He didn't do this. It was the old man's stupid fault. All he'd want to do was look at his book. He hadn't wanted him to... No, it was unthinkable. He nudged the man's body with his foot. Mister? No response except for a gentle pulse of the blood as it broke over the uneven surface of the stone in thin, dark fingers. Oh, this did not look good at all. And yet, no one had seen them together. An old men fall over and die every day, and it really wasn't his fault. And there was the book, still in the old man's crossed arms, beneath him. Jimmy's skin crawled as he lifted the dead weight of the man's body. It hinged stiffly at the waist, the sudden movement unleashing a fresh flood of new blood. It was everywhere. Over the frayed edges of his jeans, his sleeves staining his hands to the wrist as he pulled the old man's brittle fingers apart until finally the book dropped to the floor with a wet slap. He scooped it up and stuck it under his shirt front, securing it in the waistband of his jeans. He removed his shoes and padded towards the staircase, like somebody negotiating a series of stepping stones. He carefully replaced everything that the old man had knocked over, returning to his dressing room and, after cleaning his shoes in the sink, wrapped his sheepskin over his blood-stained clothes and slipped away into the night. He didn't collect the two pounds he had earned for his opening spot. If the next few years were dizzying, 
If the weight of his achievements seemed set to crush him, if the brain-scrambling difference between his early forays into comedy and the imperial splendour of his later career were too much to bear, Jimmy Gemini never let on. He remained inscrutable. His comic career tore across the country. Within a month he was selling out West End shows. In six months his first Royal Command performance. By the end of the year he had residency in his own club and had been on Parkinson twice. There had been some miscues. He had done print adverts for Badidas bath salts that were not well received. A television advert for Martini was arguably worse. A Goldman Simpson scripted special was never aired and a guest role on the Morecambe and Wise show had been notable for his glacial stillness, his panicked eyes his lips pulled back into a sneer. But as a stand-up comic, he was unparalleled. When he stood on stage, he displayed the same fidgety ill-ease, but this time it was funny. It was hysterically funny. His delivery was mumbled and distracted. He barely looked up from the lectern he read from, and he never looked at the audience. His voice was often barely audible over the audiences, and as he stood there, trembling under the lights, his eyes fixed on the book in front of him as he read, it brought the house down. Years later, social historians would look in wonder at the mumbling figure gripping the lectern like a captain at the ship's wheel. The two or three existing records of Jimmy Gemini's performances were remarkable for the paucity of the material, the lack of wit or memorable lines. His act was monotonic, and his delivery suggested he was both bored and irritated with having to be there. And it was remarkable for the audience's reaction. They convulsed, they choked, they wept. Newspapers ran stories about pensioners dying in the aisles or lorry drivers soiling themselves where they sat. In interviews undertaken outside theatres in the early days of the Jimmy Gemini phenomenon, reeling fans, often in a state of confusion or obvious distress, seemed to remember different or contradictory things about the show, as though they were describing a car crash rather than a comic. All the records of Gemini's live show came from the first six months of his career. After that, he had ordered a complete shutdown on any documentation of his work, and in the 70s, this was easily enforced. The security at his shows confiscating and destroying any cameras brought in by souvenir hunters. Jimmy sat in his flat, surrounded by his white leather furniture. A tumbler of whiskey resting on the arm of his chair as he leafed carefully through the pages of the book. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. 
Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The pages were light and brittle, flattened eggshells. The book no longer made him laugh. He had found a way into the book past the sickening undulations of marks, pinning down the occasional word, then long strands of scratched, jagged sentences, woozy picket fences over sallow hills, and then whole paragraphs of dense, mirthless prose, some of which was in a type of English, and some most assuredly not. He could read it without understanding anything of what it was he was reading, and he didn't know why. There were other disquieting things. A short groove near the spine of the book had gone unnoticed for months until his thumbnail had found it. It was a neat little cut, delicately perforated on either side down its entire length, like an unlaced boot. It looked to Jimmy like a surgically mended wound. But what disturbed him even more was the stamp on the fly-leaf, the words ex libris were pressed unevenly into the fine weave of the paper. The print was coloured a rosy tan, darker at the edges, and just next to this, and at a slight angle, was the printed word paid. Why this bothered him more than any of the rest of the text, he didn't know. But the more the millions piled up in his bank account unearned millions as far as he was concerned. The more it bothered him, he had another drink. There was a knock at the door. Jimmy threw back the rest of his whiskey and rose uncertainly to his feet. The concierge hadn't used the intercom and he wasn't expecting anyone, and besides, there was a brass doorbell the size and shape of a fruit bowl on the other side of the door. There was another knock fans, he thought. Occasionally they slipped past the front desk. He poured himself another whiskey and sat back on his enormous white sofa, sliding down the cushion like loose change. There was a third knock, and then silence. He was just about to turn on the television when there was another noise, a metallic rasp that snapped his senses into focus. The chain on his door was slowly sliding along its barometer-shaped groove, 
dropping and swinging with loping menace when it reached the bulb-shaped hole. Jimmy looked on in helpless horror as one by one the six locks on his door disengaged. The noise of the mechanism echoed through the white room. The door handle turned and Jimmy looked around for a weapon, any weapon. He picked up the cut glass decanter. It was heavy and solid. Whiskey sloshed around inside it. He held it at arm's length like a shield as the door began to finally push open. A tall, thin man stood in the hallway. Backlit, his face was a mask of shadows, but Jimmy was able to make out the heavy check of his overcoat and the pink of his bald head. Who the fuck are you? he said. He relaxed his arms, hugging the decanter to his chest. The man stepped into the light. His face was round and flush and he wore dense black moustaches, waxed at the tips. His check coat was long, almost reaching the floor, and adorned with a single green carnation. As he came closer, extending a gloved hand, Jimmy noticed that he was not bald, but his hair had been shaved away in the manner of a monk's tonsure. There was also something strange about his lips. Mr. Gemini, he said, how marvellous to finally meet you. Jimmy repeated his previous question. My name, one of many, is Brother Sardonicus, said the man. I am here to retrieve the property of my order. Property that you have stolen. I think you'd better leave, mate, before I have you slung out of here. Jimmy threw down the decanter and raced to the phone. He jabbed at the dial and blurted, Security! into the receiver. But there was no security. There was no dialing tone. He put the phone down. I don't need security to chuck you out of here he said, marching towards the man. He detoured slightly, jackknifed at the waist and found himself plonked down on the sofa. He had no idea how he had got there. Please, Mr Gemini, said the man. Enough of this vulgar display. Hand me the book. What book? In his confused state, Jimmy had genuinely forgotten about the existence of the book. The tall man tutted. The joke book, Mr. Gemini. The holy joke book. It's beside you on the sofa. He moved closer and Jimmy could see now that he was not flushed, but that his cheeks had been smudged with rouge and that the luxuriant moustaches had been sketched in in grease paint. Who are you? said Jimmy, helplessly. I am Sardonicus of the Brotherhood of Ecstatic Avoduta. I am a holy fool, roaming free like a child upon the face of the earth. The Brotherhood is ancient. We trace our roots back to the birth of mankind. Do you know why people laugh, Mr. Gemini? A fart? said Jimmy. Fear, Mr. Gemini. Laughter is a submissive gesture. You can see it in the cowering chimp, the beaten dog, we bare our teeth at the darkness. We howl at the shadows on the wall. You have murdered the custodian of our greatest treasure, Mr. Gemini. You have stolen our most holy artifact, 
and debased its sacred text. I will take the book from you, Mr. Gemini. Jimmy handed the book mechanically to the monk. What happens now? he whispered. The monk moved in, closer still. Jimmy could feel his hot breath, smell the powder and paint on his face. Little holes dotting his mouth. I want to tell you a story. The tall man whispered into Jimmy's ear for a moment and withdrew. The comedian sat with a blank expression on his face for a fraction of a second before slowly his mouth began to twitch at the corners. Something gurgled, lurching in his bowels and rising up like a kundalini serpent towards his mouth. It emerged in a series of barks, sputtering from him, jolting his head backwards in seismic quaking laughter, a charge detonating deep within him. The corners of his mouth pushed further back as though caught on wires until the skin ripped and he bled, but still he laughed. He couldn't speak, he couldn't breathe. The laughter resonated through him, jellifying him, hollowing him out and melting his spine. His mouth widened, his cheekbones wrenching out of place, his jaws locking and pushing still further apart. He heard the crunching of his bones inside his head, the roar of the furious blood in his ears, the crack of cartilage, and still the laughter came. There was no breath fueling him now, no air left in him at all, but still it came with the roar of a waterfall, the bellowing of thunder. Finally, with a splintering, splitting crack, the roof of Jimmy's mouth snapped backwards, hinging open, so that the back of his head nudged into his neck and his wet eyes stared sightlessly behind him. And at last, with a strangulated hiccup, Jimmy Gemini stopped laughing. The tall man approached Jimmy's body and opened his shirt. He deftly cut out a large square of skin from the dead man's chest with a small curved blade and held it up beside the book. It was the same size. He rolled it into a tube and placed it into the pocket of his overcoat. Then he placed the book under his arm and headed to the door. Behind him, a thin sliver of flesh narrowed to a point and split, dropping the top of Jimmy's head onto the shag carpet, which was beginning to pink. As he left the room, the tall man bumped into the concierge, who was doing his rounds. "'Everything all right in there?' said the concierge. "'Some very funny sounds coming from Mr. Gemini's room.' "'Just the sound of laughter between two old friends,' said the monk. "'Really? Mr. Gemini never really struck me as one for laughing. Quite the opposite, in fact. I don't think I've ever seen him smile.' "'I assure you.' said the monk. When I left him, he was laughing his head off, and he walked down the corridor to the lift. Inside John Patrick Higgins was brought to you by the colour blue and the letter G. Written and performed by John Patrick Higgins, 
It was produced and edited by Graham Watson. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.